Welcome to 239 Uncensored. Everything Southwest Florida and beyond with your host, Tim Jurett. This podcast covers it all. Real talk on issues from real estate to real crime. Join the discussion on hot topics to politics. Don't get left behind. Be in the know about everything Southwest Florida and beyond. Join us on 239 Uncensored. Welcome, 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 239, Uncensored Everything, Southwest Florida and beyond. And we have a great guest, and, and she's been on here before. We got Lindsay, Lindsay McCall from out in Arizona. Lindsay, you, did you make it on the on the phone? I'm here. I'm right. here. How are you? All right. I'm, I'm doing good. Everything's great. I know this is the first time we've spoken since I'm now retired. I'm in the retired category, and I can't tell you how, how good that feels. I can only imagine, I mean, because you were in the game for longer than I was before my medical retirement. So I know it's got to be different for you, but a good feeling at the same time. Yeah, and and probably a lot of my listeners, I should say, probably know a little bit about Lindsay. She was involved in a, a major incident where there was a death. The, the suspect ended up dying, but her and her partner were shot and wounded and Lindsay, as a result, after trying to get back on and, and made a decision and probably a decision that needed to be made that you are no longer going to be in law enforcement. Can you fill us in just real quick on how that went down or, you know, a little bit about your decision or, or your inability to come back and needing to retire? Yeah, no problem. So basically, my partner and I, we were going to go serve an order of protection that stemmed from domestic violence. And the suspect was at the home at the time, but was not answering the door for another officer who had attempted to serve the order. But the girlfriend said that she could let us into the house. She has standing or she has rights in the home because she lived there. Something that we've done before, didn't think anything of it. We didn't find anything crazy in his background that would tell us uh, that we were about to walk in, what we were about to walk into. She let us in the house. My partner started talking to him. And, you know, I always tell people, like, it was weird because you had a feeling something was off, but you couldn't pinpoint it. And he wasn't walking fast, wasn't walking slow, never showed any sign of aggression until my partner made the statement to him uh, regarding him removing his hands from his pocket. And when he came out, he came out with a revolver and immediately started firing on us. The girlfriend of the victim, she was able to get out of the house unharmed, at least physically that day. And my partner uh, was shot once in her left arm. I was shot in my left, right arm and in my back. Luckily, my vest caught that bullet, but that didn't mean it didn't hurt because it did. And my partner was able to return fire, striking the suspect once. And the suspect ended up running away, hopping over into a backyard and killing himself. What I would like to point out is that, yes, I was not able to return to work due to my injuries. I could have pushed it, but I got shot in my right arm. And yes, I am right handed. And my arm just isn't what it used to be. And in situations like that, and I know you can attest to this, Tim, but you need everything to be firing on all cylinders. And I still drop stuff. My grip is weak. I can't take the chance in being in that scenario again. And my hand not working as fast as it did that day or better. My partner, she's a rock star. She was able to return back to probably five months after our critical incident. So, you know, we were there for the same incident. 
And physically, we walked away with different injuries. And even mentally, we walked away with different injuries. Right, right. So, and we talk, we're talking about law enforcement, but there's fire, there's nurses, there's yep. people that are actually driving down the street. I, I didn't get a chance to tell you this. I'm driving down the street the other day and a car flies right in front of me, over me, oh, wow. in front of me, smashed into five cars. And we were like probably about 20 feet away from being a victim. So that night I go home and I'm like, I went through a critical <laughs> incident today. Yeah. Because I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. So. We're, I know we're talking about law enforcement, but I think a critical incident really basically is a powerful, overwhelming event that etches in someone's mind. And normally it's it's probably not a good thing. Yeah. And can you fill me in a little bit about, you know, maybe what a critical incident is and what can we do if we've got a critical incident? Because we know that a lot of people don't handle those that well, you know, and they, or, yeah. or they think they're handling okay, but are they really? That's the question. Well, I mean, a critical incident, especially at first responder world, I mean, it is those names, those accidents, those drownings, especially ones dealing with children can be very traumatic, shootings, stabbings. And also when it comes to the first responder, sometimes the fighter, the paramedic or the police officer that's actually there on scene, it's not always physical injuries right. that are involved in critical incidents. You can just witness, like you said, that car accident. I mean, people that is etched into your brain. Yeah, you it know? was crazy. Right. I mean, that's something that you could replay in your mind. You may have dreams about it. You may be a little hesitant when you're in that area or you're at an intersection that looks similar to the one you were at. So we start having these physical reactions to things. We start having these mental reactions to things. And to answer your question as far as, you know, what can we do when we find ourselves there? You know, support is the biggest thing. For me, I was in a good place mentally and physically prior to my incident. Now, I had not been in that good place three months prior to my critical incident because I was with life. You know, I'm married. I have two kids. I had been diagnosed with postpartum depression at the end of the previous year, which was 2017. My shooting occurred at the end of 2018. So I was dealing with life. But I was also doing things to put myself in a good place to be able to have that resilience or that bounce back. So I was seeing a therapist. I was communicating with my OBGYN about what was going on with me mentally and physically after I had my my youngest child. So I was on the road to maintaining mentally and physically. And unfortunately, a lot of times, those of us that are first responders, we're generally hovering above the OK line or just below it. So when the critical incident happens, it shoves us down even further. A lot of us in, in law enforcement or who are first responders, we have the hero complex. So we have to save everybody. We have to fix all the problems. And it's very frustrating because I've been there myself and maybe you have too, Tim. But when you cannot fix yourself, you have all the tools available. I have gone yeah. to communication, you know, training yeah. and mental yeah. training and crisis intervention and all these things. But I can't use those same tactics on myself. So we do get in a place where we have to rely on other people and we have to get into a space in first responder world where it is okay to ask for help. People look to us for help and we're humans just like the people we're helping are humans. So why would we think we don't need help too? Yeah. And I think in law enforcement or in public safety, and again, we go out to different career fields as well, nurses, that type of thing. I just think that we try to fix other people's problems or help them fix their problems. And we totally neglect ourselves. And, and like you said, I just think that we don't really understand 
how to look inside and fix what we got going on with ourselves. So it's, it sounded well, to me like you did a pretty good job, though. You know, you, you identified it, I think. And I was already on that path, too. So I think that helped me after my critical incident. You know, I get comments like, you know, I don't know what I would have done. I can't even imagine. And my response is always, well, I couldn't imagine before that point either. Right. But in as a first responder, as a police officer, you train. So we, we do a lot of tactical training. So we talk about muscle memory. What are you going to do if, right? We do that a lot for tactics but I don't feel like we do that enough for our emotions. No, I mean, there's there's no way we prepare ourselves for mm-hmm. that. We can talk about combat breathing. We can talk about move and move to cover and all these other things, but what happens after that? You know, because for all intents and purposes, I was on autopilot when the bullets started flying. Right. So I did what I was trained to do, which is go to draw my firearm and move. And the first bullet hit me in my right hand as I was drawing. And I did the things I needed to do, got out of the house. And then obviously when I I sprinted down a couple of houses and I always imagine this big tree. Now, I don't know if the tree is as big as I remember it. One day I am going to go verify that tree. But I remember just trying to get to that tree because I was like, that's the cover that I have to get to. And once I got to cover and I looked out from behind the tree, just trying to figure out what had just happened, our partner was, where the suspect went. I remember thinking to myself, what in the world just happened just now? And so I was in survival mode at the time. And then the reality of the situation kind of set in. And I had already been seeing a therapist before my critical incident. So I was in the hospital. I got shot on a Monday. I got released on a Wednesday. She was calling to confirm my Thursday appointment. I was like, hi. So I don't know if you've been watching the news, but this happened. You know, she says, oh my goodness, do you want to reschedule? And I said, no, I will be there. So for me, I had great support from the moment the shooting happened and I walked right into a mental health office the day after. So I continued, I never kind of let law happen. I was willing to let people help and I'm a people person and I love checking on people. So I had a lot of people who checked on me as well. I said, you're always checking on other people. We wanted to check on you. And I liked that. So what I was giving out to people, they were giving back. And we often tell people, reach out, reach out, reach out. You know, especially when we start talking about suicide and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember what our personality type is. Our personality type is not to reach out. They can so handle I it. Or you, you, yeah. you always think like, hey, this is. This is Joe, Bill. They, they can handle this stuff. This, they deal with it every day, you know? That and I have a friend. He's, he's a retired sergeant from my department that I retired from, and he teaches a lot of the mental health courses. He teaches at the academy. There's an officer wellness day that I, I participate in with him every year. And I love to hear him when he does his presentation because he talks about fine. When we talk about, hey, Tim, how are you doing today? And then your response to I'm me fine, is fine. I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> I tell people to me when I hear fine, that gets under my skin. Like when I hear people say I'm living the dream, like that sets me off when I hear people say that because it doesn't mean what they're saying. And I'm like, oh, uh, OK, because I loved being a police officer. Don't get me wrong. But that wasn't my dream. My dream is, you know, to have people throw rose petals down at my feet everywhere I'm going. <laughs> Being on the beach. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know? yeah. drinking and margaritas the, or something. Or, yeah, yeah, and they have like chocolate fondue fountains everywhere. That's yeah. my dream. So yeah, yeah. when I get I'm living the dream or I'm fine, I said, no, tell me what that means to you. Because according to my buddy, he says the word fine is an acronym 
for effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> which I love it, which I love it. So I tell people that. And so I just was having a conversation. I'm still a volunteer with the uh, my previous department. So I'm still on the peer support team. So I like to go just do impromptu peer support. So having a conversation with a sergeant in the hallway, and we were talking about that very thing. And I said, you know, we have to remember if we're going out and responding to calls because people's lives are out of control, we have to think that there's going to be a certain percentage of our department that's going through some of those same things, coupled with the things we see every single day. And I tell people, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to avoid trauma on, on the job with, with the type of job that we do as firefighters, police officers, paramedics, medical field, and so on. But we can mitigate some of it by offloading. I tell people, just talk, get it out. And I mean it when I say, hey, Tim, how is your day going? And I pause. I'm not going to say it over my shoulder as I walk away from you because I'm not showing you I want to have that conversation. And that's sort of me reaching out to you, whether you need it or not. So I've gotten everything from I'm great or I just had a great workout to, you know, I didn't sleep well last night. So my life is falling apart. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I guess my next question, too, and it falls right in line with this. So what if you don't? seek the proper attention what have you seen what have what have people done and i know i can tell you some stories up till you know shooting himself and, and committing suicide but what is kind of like i don't know if there's even a norm for this but what what does it look like when somebody doesn't get the help that they need for this post-traumatic so stress i can speak in generalities because i i do peer support across the country but i can speak for myself personally things that i saw in myself where I'm like, okay, looking back, I should have gotten help. So for me, things like anxiety started to set in. I wasn't sleeping well. So you become hypervigilant. So every little noise, every person that walks up on you a certain way, you look at them weird or you feel a certain way. I can be irritable sometimes. Or I've gone through phases during my career where I had the I didn't care attitude at work. So a lot of that going on, yep. It really does run the gamut. And again, I'm speaking for myself, but sometimes when things are going well at work, that would spill over into home. Of and course, that's, not, that's not good. And sometimes when things aren't going well at home, that can spill over into work. So those are a lot of the things that I see. And I mean, you did the job long enough. We've You've probably worked around scores of officers who you're like, I don't want that person on my call. Not, nowhere near my scene, Right had like a really weird reaction on a call and you're like, what is wrong with that person? So you start seeing where people are easily set off on calls and they're taking everything so personally because sometimes projecting. Right, I don't know right. if they're not getting out properly and start taking it out on other people. And I'm a firm believer, and this is my opinion, everybody else may not agree with it, but peer support, you don't have to be on an official team to be a peer support member. Peer support is you and I working together on the same squad or shift, whether we hang out outside of our respective agencies or not. And me noticing you didn't speak to me the way you normally right. do, or you just seemed right. a little off in roll call or briefing or on a call. And me either saying something to you saying, hey, Tim, like, is everything cool? Like you just, you seemed a little different today. Or if you don't want to say something to that person directly, going to their supervisor and saying, hey, I'm a little concerned about Tim. These are just some things I'm seeing because the problem is then it bubbles and bubbles and bubbles 
or, you know, the person doesn't get the stress out of the cup and it's, it's filling up, it's filling up, it's filling up with liquid. If you never pour some of that liquid out, you get to a point where it's overflowing and you can't stop it. And now you have a problem on your hands. And then sometimes we see officers that end up on the news. And I've said this to some officers that if you don't take the time to say something, rather it's directly to that person or indirectly through a supervisor or the peer support team or something else, to me, I feel responsible for that person mm-hmm. in a way for popping off. Sometimes we have to be the one that steps in and say, no, this is not for you. Yeah, and we're true. I mean, truly, like as a police officer, we're not really allowed to have a bad day. You know, it's not like you can explain it. Like, hey, I'm having a bad day because ultimately, when you go to a scene or you arrive, you're basically think you're Superman. So you you've got to be from the initial transaction, core transaction, whenever you mm-hmm. make contact to them, till the time you leave, you have to portray total professionalism and especially in today's environment you have to be on your a-game all the time there's like no there's there's no downtime Mm -hmm. chance to take a little breather there's Mm -hmm. not even to go eat dinner or lunch i mean that's like a a thing that people don't even understand it's like you can't even sit down and 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 just sit there and relax because ultimately someone's going to come up which is fine but you're Mm -hmm. always watching of you know who's around you and people in the normal environment normal situation don't really understand that and people think that we're hyper vigilant all the time but you you have to be you get killed it's just just that much we've seen that i mean there's been instances like that so it's ambushed and stuff like that and i mean the day of my shooting when partner called me asked me to go on this call i was just pulling in to a restaurant to get something to eat it was like two o'clock i started eight o'clock and I just wanted to grow something. And what did I say to myself? We've said this on calls before. I'll be right back. Yeah. This won't take that long. I got shot later. Oh, 30 minutes later, I did eight months. So you're right. It's hard to turn it off. And and something I learned is because I very much, especially in my younger years, I took on that hero complex of everybody thinks so brave and I can never show weakness or vulnerability. But I worked for Tempe Police Department here in Tempe, Arizona, where Arizona State University is. And I had an incident about six or seven years ago. A college student was out running errands with her boyfriend, minding her business, right place at the wrong time. I'm getting into a little fender bender with someone uh, behind her. And you know how you get out of the car and you go to check for damage and things like that. Right, right, right. Well, she never even got a chance to get out of the car before the woman who struck her from behind gets out of her car, comes up to her driver's side window, just fires into the car. Gosh. Right. And this poor girl, unfortunately, she did not make it. Her boyfriend was in the car with her. He didn't have any physical injuries, but obviously he he's going to have some emotional injuries from this. And I was one of the first officers on scene, and I struggled with that call probably weeks after and I didn't I couldn't pinpoint what the problem was. I just knew I wasn't sleeping. I was having trouble concentrating. I didn't care at work about whether or not I handed in my reports on time and up to work on time. And it was just taking a toll on me. And then I spoke to my sergeant about it because I knew eventually I was going to get in trouble. So I was like, well, let me get ahead of this. And we talked about it. And we were able to pinpoint that call. So from there, he reached out to peer support for me. I talked to them and one of their team leads at the time, they suggested that I go to the memorial service on a way to kind of have some sort of closure or to process my emotions. So I said, you know, that's different. I'll I'll go. I'm open to it because I, I have to figure out what's going on with me. 
And I went and Tim, I can't even tell you like the outpouring from the community was so large for the student. Like people, not only people associated with the university, but just people from the surrounding neighborhood. I mean, there were so many people there and I just became overwhelmed with emotion and I'm in uniform out there. Such a tragedy. I, it, it is because it didn't make sense. It was so senseless. Right. And we want things to make sense in our brains. Right. And that just didn't. And so I just walk off and I'm boohoo crying. And I think one of our commanders was out there. You know, he had been around for 20 plus years, SWAT guy, tactical guy. So, you know, he has that big gruff. And he walks over to me and he just stands next to me. And I remember looking up at him because he's much taller than me. And I said, I'm so sorry. I have no idea where that came from. And he looked at me and he says, well, you're human, aren't you? And that stuck with me. And even though he's retired, we keep in contact through LinkedIn and things like that. I tell him often, like, that was the day that changed how I decided to present myself in uniform. Because I am a human being. I was a human being who wore a uniform. My uniform could not get up and go to work for me. My uniform on October 29, 2018 could not take those bullets for me or the bullet of my partner. But there's a human in there. And I can show emotion. You know, I had a young child at home, life, and I couldn't imagine getting that phone call. And so I decided to be a human being who wore a uniform, because if you lead the call with your uniform all the time, you're not going to get far with people. Right, you want people right. to see you as a person, to see you as a mother, a wife, a sister, you know, whatever you are to so many people in your life. So that was an important pivot point for me. And I think it's important to thank people for those really prominent times in your life. So your support has definitely helped me. And just having a good relationship with my husband and just that communication, he met me as a police officer. So this is the Lindsay he's always known. But I feel like I communicate well because I never want to be that person that would take, would come home and take it out on my family because they they don't know what happened to me that day. They don't know how I uh, responding to certain calls and it's not fair to them. And I'm going to tell you something that really, really helped my husband and I, which was in 2019, we went to a post-critical incident seminar. And man, let me tell you. That changed it. That was a big eye opener or a good thing. It, it was an eye opener because I learned that I wasn't being as open with him as I thought I was. And he got to learn how to view me from a different perspective as well. It was good because it's an organization called RAP, which is the Emergency Response Assistance Program. And they encourage not only for the first responder, but if they have a significant other. Got it. Because a lot of stuff, I mean, just think about your career. Like if you've ever done any counseling or sent officers to counseling or seminars, seminars, it's generally just the first responder that goes. Right, right. But when you have a significant other there, like that's a totally different thing. I mean, I know a couple that was on the verge of not being together anymore, went to one of these seminars. They're still together today and they attribute them still being together to go into that seminar and learning a much better way to communicate with each other. Yeah. And you're right. When most of us go to seminars with their spouses or something like that, they go off and do something, but to, mm-hmm. get, to get them to go and be with you is really important because they get a feel for both sides of it. 
and you kind of can see the reactions when people are speaking as well. You know? Oh yeah. 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 It's like, it's an eye opener. It's an eye opener. It, well, it is. And it was really good. I mean, you would hear everybody go around and tell their story and you could tell that some significant others, you know, maybe this is the first time they'd heard that story. Maybe yeah. this is the first time they'd heard all those details or how it really affected their loved ones. So I encourage people to go to things like that because it was great. And there's so many resources out there. You just have to find what fits you. Like, it's interesting to me that people will take a whole weekend getting in and out of cars to find the right car that fits them. <laughs> right, right, right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, they'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll, yeah. they'll drive 20, 30 miles outside of their way, but they won't take the time to do that with their own physical or mental health. You have, yeah. it's, it's you out there. You just have to find. Yep, yeah, you have yeah, to. Absolutely. Yep. So Lindsay, really, you're going to be a, a major contributor to 239 Uncensored. And, and we get into a lot of other things. So, you know, just these things and, you know, your ability to communicate and, and explain it is very important. So, you know, I just wanted to thank you for coming on today. We're going to talk a lot about these things and kind of break down some of this stuff and kind of find some tips for you know law enforcement mm -hmm. and everybody listens to it so it's it's a little bit of everything so we really appreciate you coming on and uh we're definitely gonna have you a lot so it's it's good i do appreciate it and can i plug two things really you quickly? plug them go ahead okay so <laughs> the first organization i just mentioned is erap uh like i said it's er apna.org you can go on there they have two seminars coming up later on this year two in arizona and two in oklahoma and great organization you can find out about them there on their website the other one is thewoundedblue.org. Again, another great organization that helps officers, peer support, service dogs, family, just a lot of different things that they can help you with. And there, it's nice because I feel like the you'll know a good peer support team when they know what their strengths are and then when another organization or another team's strengths pick up or if you can combine them. If anybody ever needs anything, you can go to those two organizations. I am peer advocates with both uh, organizations. And the most important thing I would say is just talk. Just talk to somebody. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out conversation. And let's do a better job of checking in with each other instead of constantly telling people to reach out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm going to put those websites down on the bottom in the podcast. And also, we push this up to YouTube. And we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes. But again, great information can't be said any better, but I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, we're gonna have a good time. So good time talking about tough things, but I think people learn from that, you know, when you're being honest with them. So I think it's good. I agree. Yeah. So, but anyway, 239 Uncensored, everything Southwest Florida and beyond. And thank you, Lindsay. And we'll, every time we go off the air, we always say we are, and then you gotta say out, right? So Everything, everything Southwest Florida and beyond, and we are out. Out. Yay. Thanks, Lindsay. Please make sure to download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to like and share on social media.